Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. In June, we are making our way in the New Testament from narratives to letters. The first set of letters come from the Apostle Paul, beginning with Romans. This week's podcast covers Romans, perhaps Paul's most famous letter, which is often seen as a mini-theological handbook. However, it is best to view it as a theological letter from the hand of an active missionary. In other words, this is missionary theology. As with each letter in the New Testament, a helpful way to view Romans is in terms of its audience, situation, and message, and how each of these aspects intersect. Let's get started with Paul's audience for Romans. Paul wrote this letter to a group of Romans, which consisted of Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus. The mixed nature of this group is important for understanding the situation Paul addresses in his message to them. It seems that this Christian community began as an exclusively or primarily Jewish group. According to one view, which I think is correct, the first believers from this community were present at the outpouring of God's Spirit at the celebration of the Jewish festival of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They in turn returned to Rome as Jesus' followers and grew together spiritually and in numbers. A later historical development impacted these Roman believers. In 49 AD, Emperor Claudius expelled the Jews, including Christian Jews, from Rome, probably in response to trouble associated with Jews and Jesus' followers. After the death of Claudius in 54 AD, these expelled Jews returned to Rome. You see, an edict of a Roman emperor would only remain in effect after his death if the subsequent emperor renewed it. So when the Christians returned, they discovered that the Christian community in Rome was made up only or primarily of Gentiles. Now let's move on to the situation the letter addresses. In the first century Greco-Roman world, relations between Jews and Gentiles were often strained. Sadly, this was also true for Christian communities. It seems that God's people uh, being connected is a problem throughout all generations. One of the major problems of this Jewish and Gentile group of followers of Jesus was a lack of unity. Jesus' first followers were Jews, and they struggled with the practical implications of God's salvation of the Gentiles. These communities struggled with questions about which Jewish practices were necessary for following Jesus. The role of the law in God's plan of salvation for Jews and Gentiles was a theological and practical issue that affected their daily lives. It seems that this Christian community was wrestling with just this issue. It's important to understand Paul's situation as well as that of his Roman audience. Paul wanted to establish a relationship with the Romans for the sake of his mission 
as the apostle to the Gentiles, as he called himself. As the capital city of the Roman emperor, Roman Empire, Rome was a strategic place to visit and possibly to use as a base of operations for ministry into Spain. See chapter 15, verses 15 through 32. Paul considered himself to be done with his ministry efforts in the eastern part of the Mediterranean world. The next mission field for Paul was the western part of this world where Spain was located. When Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, it seems that he was writing during his third missionary journey, about 56-57 AD, from the city of Corinth. Finally, the message of Paul's letter to the Romans. Let's consider that in light of its audience and message. Paul's message to the Roman Christians can be summed up in the phrase, the salvation of our God. Everything in the letter somehow relates to the salvation of God and or the God who saves Jesus' followers, Father, Son, and Spirit. There are three purposes in writing connected to this message. The first is theological. Paul wanted his Roman audience to know the fullness of the good news of God's salvation for both Jews and Gentiles, as we find that in chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 25. And the new life they received in Christ and by the Spirit, chapters 5 through 8. And finally, Paul wanted them to know how God had called them to live in light of the gospel, we see that in chapter 12, verse 1, through chapter 15, verse 13. Also, God's faithfulness to Israel and his plan of salvation is also theologically important in this letter, as we see in chapters 9 through 11. Next, there's the pastoral purpose. Part of God's calling was to live out their lives in love and peace with one another, despite their different racial and religious backgrounds. Paul wrote to them as a pastor, instructing them about what God expected of them as those who are saved by God. Finally, there's a missionary purpose. In addition, Paul desired that these Roman believers would participate in Paul's mission of spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish peoples. This participation included helping Paul preaching the gospel in Rome and possibly supporting Paul's mission to new areas. The contours of Paul's flow of thought in his letter can be seen in the following outline of the letter. First, the opening in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The next section is Jews and Gentiles under sin in chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 3, verse 20. Next, we have justification by faith in chapter 3, verse 21 through chapter 4, verse 25. The fourth section is new life in Christ and by the Spirit in chapters 5 through 8. Next, we have Israel and the faithfulness of God in chapters 9 through 11. And then in the sixth section, we have living out the new life in chapter 12, verse 1 through chapter 15, verse 13. That new life that we have in Christ and by the Spirit. The seventh section is the travel plans of Paul in chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. And then finally, we have the closing in chapter 16, verse 1 through verse 27. This letter, like all the letters, follows a very similar pattern with an opening, a body of the letter, and then a closing. 
So let's explore a couple verses in Romans that capture some of Paul's dynamic theology in the letter to the Romans. Let's hear from Paul in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, Paul says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is a pivot point for the book. The phrase, the mercies of God, points back to God's gracious justification through Christ's redemptive work for Jews and Gentiles and to the new life the church has in Christ and by the Spirit. The exhortation to present your bodies as a living sacrifice focuses on the life of worship to which both Jews and Gentile disciples are called. This addresses the earlier debate over the place of the law of Moses within the church. Also, Paul looks forward to the unity and holiness of our new life in the remainder of the book. As followers of Jesus, we can see how God's story of redemption encompasses our life stories. Romans shows us how the story of Israel culminates in Christ's story and becomes the foundation for our story as the church. Treating this letter as a theological handbook limits its potential power. In this letter, Paul invites us into God's true story of the whole world. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.